Ah, Christmas, right? The shopping and the presents and the paper and the food and the planning and the cooking and the banking. Uh, the baking, excuse me, the banking for all the presents, right? <clears throat> the stress, the family, the friends, the travel, the chaos. Oh, yeah. And the baby. The manger in that video tells the true story of Christmas for so many of us. You already know what I mean. That manger in that video tells the story. In Luke, we read it was a lonely manger that was the first earthly home for the baby Jesus. Today, the Bible tells us that Jesus lives in the hearts of all of the men and the women and children who trust in Him as their Lord and Savior. While we may celebrate the baby in the manger, we live with this manger filled with all of our stuff. Those things and all that they represent are a small little piece of what we fill our hearts and our lives and our minds with. For us today, the resting place of Jesus should be in our hearts. The problem that that video brings to life, though, in such a real way, is none of those things, not one of them, is inherently bad or evil on its own. But when they take the place of the manger in our heart, when they take the place of Jesus and where He should be, suddenly they become the problem. When they take the place of Jesus, we nudge them out until it's so crowded that we don't have room for Him anymore. And that's when those things that on their own are very simple can be such a big problem. The stack of bills, money. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Money isn't. Our love of it is. And it seems to me that our love of money has two sides to that coin. One is, maybe you've got a lot of it. Maybe you've got a lot of money that buys you a wonderful life and all kinds of fun things, and you like to earn it, and you're good at it, and you like to sock it away, and you like to earn more and more and more, and money becomes the most important thing. So much so that there's no room in your heart for Jesus. But then for others of us, money is the opposite end of the spectrum. There just isn't enough. There's always too much month at the end of the money. It isn't that you, you want too much, it's just that you don't have enough. There isn't enough money to pay the bills, much less get on to the things that you want or that you'd like to have. And in that case, it's almost the same as the other. Money begins to take over all of your thoughts and it begins to fill everything about us. And suddenly we're so consumed with thoughts of money that there's no room in our hearts for Jesus. Reading and books and education. We all agree that's a good thing. It's a good thing to get, to get more intelligent and to learn and it allows us to get different and better jobs. But, you know, when that education and knowledge allows you a place or a position or a job or you begin to feel superior to other people, then you run the risk of your heart being full of yourself. And when our hearts are full of ourselves, there's no more room for Jesus. And the truth is, we all do it in our own way. We all have our own things and our own stuff to fill our crowded hearts and nudge Jesus out. All the other things that went into that manger, manger they just represent a small portion of the things that maybe bring us happiness Maybe it can relax us and, and, and maybe they, they take our worries or our thoughts or maybe they just give us a moment where we don't have to deal with anything else. But, you know, they can be good things when they're used and appreciated in a way that doesn't cause us 
to push Jesus out of our hearts. Maybe that's why Christmas is so emotional. Christmas is one of the most emotional holidays of the year for most people. It's emotional because it's very hard. It's rooted in love. God's love shown through Jesus. But depending on what you're experiencing, depending on what you've gone through, it might be that the emotions for you, they might be the highest of highs and they might be the lowest of lows. It might be joy that's hard for other people to understand and that might be sadness and loss that you don't even know how to talk about. But Christmas is full of emotions. And as we grow older and we begin to be drawn to the things of this world, the simplicity of our childhood that Jesus talked about is replaced with all of the wants and all the reasons and all the excuses of adulthood until before we know it, if we're not careful, our hearts are filled to overflowing with attachments to the things and the wants and the addictions that didn't used to be a problem before. But when they overtake our hearts, suddenly we have no room for Jesus and Christmas becomes a celebration of us not a celebration of Jesus among us. When our daughters were younger, there used to be kind of an ongoing discussion in our house. It was never really an argument, but it was a discussion. And it went something like this. Dad, who do you love more? Which one of us do you love more? I know you love one of us, so just tell me. I won't get mad. Who do you love more? Now, if you're an only child, you have the opportunity to assume mom and dad loved you most of all. For your sake, I hope so. If you had brothers and sisters, it wasn't that cut and dried. It wasn't that easy, especially if you were the younger one. Because, you know, your older sibling would say, well, I was here first. They love me more. They've loved me longer. And the conversations with our girls happened all the time, it felt like. And it seems like such a silly question. Which one do you love more? Well, we love you both the same. You're very different personalities. And so kind of the way that we get to show you our love is different, but we don't love one more than the other. And of course, the question that they're asking, the question that we ask, do you have enough room in your heart to love me along with everything else at the same time? Dad, they'd say, you have to love one of us more. Come on, which one of us is it? Do you love me as much as my sister? I wonder if that's not how we feel about Jesus. Is it possible that he can really love us as much as the Bible says that he does? See, it's easy to wonder whether the person who says they love you really has room in their heart to love you. And so we begin to doubt. So whatever your track record with love is, Jesus loves you. He really does. But whatever your history or your story or your track record with decisions and, and events in your life and things that you did that you wish you wouldn't have, Jesus loves you. And yes, He has room enough in His heart for you. Maybe you're here today and you're a little bit cynical about this whole Christmas thing, this whole Jesus thing, and you don't really believe that Jesus has enough room in His heart to love you. Yes, He does. The Bible tells and promises us that. In fact, Jesus loves you so much that He gave up His throne in heaven where He lived with God to live on earth as a human. That's what we celebrate at Christmas is the birth of God's only Son here on earth as a human. He loved people and He taught by example His way of living for God and living and loving other people. Finally, He gave up His life when He was crucified on a criminal's cross for a crime that He never committed as payment for our sins, yours and mine. Yes, 
Jesus has room in His heart for you. So the real question at the end of the day is simply this. Do you have room with everything else that you fill your life with? Do you have room with all of your commitments, all of your hobbies, all of your responsibilities, all of your wants? Do you have room in your heart for Him? Earlier we read that passage from Luke 2. It's affectionately become known as the Christmas story. It tells us about Mary and Joseph that are traveling from Galilee all the way to Bethlehem, this little village outside the large city of Jerusalem. Mary was right at the point where she was going to give birth to her firstborn child. We know him as Jesus, God's only son. You would think that that village that was full of relatives because it was all of their family, they're all in the line of King David, they're all going back to be registered in the same census, that they would have made sure that this first-time mom would have a comfortable place to stay and would be able to welcome her baby into the world. But that wasn't God's plan. That wasn't the way that it worked out for Mary and Joseph. I don't always understand God's plans. They don't always make sense to me at all. But what makes sense to me was not God's plan for this family. God's plan for them was to stay and have the baby in a place usually filled with animals, more specifically sheep. God's plan was that His only son would be born in a place not fit for people, where no mom would ever want to have a baby, much less have to settle down and and rest with him for the first few days. A place that was the lowliest place for the most humble creatures on earth and the people who were at the lowest end, the very bottom of the social order, the shepherds. But then this was no ordinary baby and this was no ordinary plan. This baby was the Son of God, the long-awaited Messiah, the Savior of the world. He was born into the most humble of conditions, conditions we would not be able to understand living the way that we do where we do. But Philippians 2.9 says, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names. The Bible calls that baby Jesus of Nazareth, but he's also called the King of Kings. Wonderful, Counselor, Redeemer, Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, Lamb of God, Lion of Judah, and not surprisingly, given where He was born and got His earthly start, He is called our Good Shepherd. But He's also the Savior and the lover of your soul. That humble manger, we represent Him with a wooden trough filled with hay, but in reality, it was an animal feeding trough that was cut into stone. Nothing comfortable about it. It was the earthly home for the first time for the newborn baby Jesus. But today, Jesus dwells in the heart of every human being, man, woman, and child, who accepts Him as their Lord and Savior. See, God's ways often make little sense to us. But God's plan was that Jesus would not stay in that shelter for very long. It was a shelter for sheep. And the more that you study the story, the more sense that it makes. But that one day He would give His life for you and I. He would be raised to a new life. And He would take up residence in our hearts as we trust Him in faith and live not for ourselves anymore, but for Him. You'll notice that our manger is empty. It's empty because Jesus doesn't live there anymore. God invites you to welcome Jesus to live in your heart. Ephesians 3.17 says, Then Christ will make His home in your hearts. As you trust in Him, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. The Bible tells us 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, there was no room for Jesus. People were too busy. 
A census was being taken. It was full of people who didn't live there anymore. Some of whom had never been there. They were reconnecting with long lost family and friends. Everything was so crowded. It wasn't used to that kind of people. There was just no way that there was a place for those late arrivers, arrivers anywhere before the animals were. And so that's where he was born. It's interesting that our nation's history shows us that we've created for ourselves in America a society, a culture, a political structure, and in most places an education system that has no room for Jesus in any of it. We've taken the founding fathers' wisdom of a separation of church and state for the protection of the free practice of faith and the pursuit of religion and the assurance that politics would not infringe on that faith to the opposite extreme, and we have removed faith from our politics. Somehow in America, for an awful lot of people, we've even managed to remove Christ from Christmas. Now we have this wishy-washy phrase you hear all the time, the holidays. Happy holidays, people say. We're supposed to celebrate. This is what they're telling us to get excited about. We're supposed to celebrate at altars, equipped with cash registers in every store to accept our offerings. I've got an answer to that. Happy holidays is really taken from the old English words, happy holy days. So, ha! Happy holidays, bring it on. Happy holy days to you too. See, the simple fact is, no matter how hard the world tries, you cannot take Christ out of Christmas. So the only thing left is the most important thing of all. Is there any room in your heart for Jesus? I know you're busy. I know you've got a lot going on and a lot of pressure. But do you have room in your heart for Jesus? History is only going to reinforce the truth of Jesus. Politics cannot take Him away from you. So today we're left with an empty manger... Because Jesus, the Christ child, has grown up and moved on. The question for you is simply this. Is there any room for Him in your heart? Like the end 2,000 years ago, is there no room in your heart because it's just simply too overcrowded with the things that you use to keep you busy? That you say make you happy and bring you joy and keep you from being bored. Things that you hide away from other people to see. Things that, that numb your pain and, and things that fill you up because it gives you a sense of purpose or belonging. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but would have everlasting life. That is you. That is you that that verse is talking about. For God so loved you that He gave His only Son. Jesus. For God so loved you that He gave His only Son. Will you believe in Him and put your faith in Him? Or are you going to continue to do what so many people do is just not let Him get that close? Continue to overcrowd your life and fill it with busyness until there just simply is no more room for Him. Today is a great day to make a home in your heart for Jesus because God has already done all of the work. He's done everything for you. Today might be the best day to open our hearts and put Christ back in Christmas. To allow Him out of the manger, which is fun to celebrate and think about, but the reality is God sent Him to live in your heart today. Will you have room in your heart for Jesus?
Merry Christmas. Let's pray. God, thank you for what you did. That just doesn't make sense. Your plan and your ways are just not our ways. It doesn't make sense that Jesus would leave his perfect home in heaven and come to live here on earth. But God, that's where you sent him. And God, he was born as a baby. He lived his life. And then he gave his life. Even though he'd never done anything wrong. That is love. God, thank you for what Jesus has done for us, what you did through him that we cannot do for ourselves. And we've always got this phrase that's just right at the ready that I'm so busy. I've got so much going on. Everything is so crowded and and I just don't have time. And God, that's our way of, of telling you that we're just not that interested. But God, we're all gathered here now because we are. We don't want hearts that are too full for Jesus. We don't want to crowd Him out, God. We want to welcome Him in. So God, as we think about celebrating with family and food and gifts, help us to remember that it's all because of the gift that You sent to us first. You were the one who sent us Christ. That's where our Christmas comes from. It's in His name that we pray. Amen. Hey, I'm going to invite the ushers forward in a moment to receive gifts and tithes and offerings. You might come from a a different church, and if you're visiting, thank you for being here with us. Uh, We believe that collecting gifts and tithes and offerings is an act of worship because we know that the Bible tells us that everything we have is a gift from God, especially our money. And if if money is the root of all of the things that might possibly separate us from God, we want to do our very, very best to have a good understanding of it. Money can have that hold on us that we cling to our money rather than clinging to Jesus. But here at the Open Door, I want you to know this today. When you give to the Open Door Christian Church, your giving changes everything. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Your giving allows us to welcome 250, more than 250 kids every Wednesday night across our campuses. They all get a full meal before they begin to meet and they begin to learn and study and grow in groups and grow in faith with other kids their age. 250 kids from across eight school districts. And every one of those kids, every one of those kids is one young life that's being reached that has the decision that we have to make. Are they going to follow Jesus? Are they going to follow the world? And because of your giving, young lives and eternities are being changed. So thank you. Your giving helps men and women who are trapped in addiction find freedom and a personal relationship with Jesus through our recovery church at North 40. Addictions are being broken and eternities are being changed. Thank you. Your giving allows us to stream our services live across the country and around the world as we bring the biblical truth of Jesus' love for all people. And eternities are being changed. So thank you. Your giving allows us to continue to live out and grow in the mission that God has called us to, to love Jesus and to love people and to teach people to love Jesus. So thank you. Your giving changes everything for now and for eternity. Would you please stand and let's continue to worship. Next Sunday morning right here, 845 and 1030, we're going to have two worship services. We'd love you came back and join us. We're going to spend two weeks talking about the basics of what it is to be a Christian, the basics of Christianity. How do I do it? How do I start? What do I do when I become a believer? How am I supposed to live? All the questions. We're going to get to as many of them as we can for two weeks. Uh, and then we have... For the 14th year in a row in ornament, I think we still have some left. Uh, Do we still have some left? No one's saying anything. I think we still have some left. So one per family, we'd love to take one of those home and put that on your tree this year and next year. 
uh, as, a, as a thank you for us for worshiping with us today. We've got refreshments out in the entryway. The prayer corners are lit. There's folks that would love the opportunity to pray with and to pray for you. Anything you share with them is strictly confidential and doesn't get shared with anybody. I want to say thank you to our worship team. Yeah. They were here before 8 o'clock this morning and the doors were already open, which meant there were people here before that. Staff team, volunteers, artists, folks who brought food that kept all of those people, people fed. And finally you, because we have an awful lot of fun planning and putting together and getting ready for days like this. And because you show up and because you are here to celebrate with us, we celebrate not an empty major, but a risen Savior. Amen. Amen. I'm going to get it right this time. I've gotten the name of this song wrong every time today. 14-year tradition. We send you off with this same one every year. Thanks for coming. Have yourself a merry little Christmas, folks. Woo.